I love that we're recording. It's on Tuesday. Now, next Tuesday can be different because we won't be able to do it next yeah, week. Yeah, we have... We have two Tuesdays that we won't be doing. So November 14th and November 21st because of our schedules and um, the Thanksgiving holiday here. So, yep. but we're, we're doing so much better than we have in the past. And that's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I feel like life is getting better and better. Like where we're, I'm actually get on a, a good pace of life. Yay. Do you start yeah. work again next week or did you already start? Yeah, I start next week. Uh, to be honest, I'm not looking forward to it just because I feel like my six weeks went by so quickly. Goes by so I got, fast. <laughs> and I got to spend time with kids, but also I had a major house project and that took a lot of time too. Yeah. So it just flew by. Yeah. Well, for those of you who are just tuning in, I'm Dr. Megan. And I'm Joe Smith. And we're recording our live podcast for the Do Better podcast. We're about to spin the wheel and see what our topic will be today. We're going to try to keep it nice and short for everyone. So mm -hmm. I kept the um, the content creators one on here because last time we mostly talked about podcasts. So if it comes up yep. again, we'll talk about another format of content creators. I'm going to go nice. ahead and spin it. Oh, this is one I can talk about forever. <laughs> so <laughs> the topic today is the disconnect between research and practice. So I know you've gone first a couple of times, Joe. Do you want me to talk first this time or do you want to talk first? Yeah, I'll let you talk more about this um, just because this is definitely in your wheelhouse. <laughs> yeah. So we actually have, it's... Um, it's a topic that we've done some uh, recording on before. We did a Facebook Live recording on the research to practice gap, uh, I think, in 2020. And it was quite a long episode. We were on for, for quite some time. Actually, it might have been 20. We might have done two parts or something because I'm picturing the recording and I was in my old house. Uh, so um, anyway, but we do have yeah. some a topic on this. And I, I think I talk about this on the Behavioral Observations podcast as well. So um, if you're wanting to hear more than what we talk about today, definitely check it out. If you can't find it, feel free to contact us and I'll send you a link. But um, for me, there's there's quite a few disparities between research and practice. So I'll to keep it short, I'll try to just highlight a couple of them. The first is that I think with research, the things that are valued are are vastly different than what is valued in practice. So in research, obviously for like publication purposes and things like that, and to like really try to isolate and show that certain variables are responsible for behavior change, there's a lot of control and structure and rigidity that occurs um, around following, you know, whatever the research protocol is for that study. And I understand the rationale, I, and I'm not saying we shouldn't have that. However, what I often see is that people who are practitioners are trained by researchers. So then they're trained in their practice to follow those same methods instead of recognizing in practice, we are in homes, we're in schools, we're in communities, and, and we're working with humans for hours at a time, often years 
at a time as well. And it's not like a short snapshot where we would be rigidly following a certain protocol. We should be making in the moment decisions about what adjustments to make for that person to achieve whatever it is they're trying to achieve. So that's one issue I see between research and practice. Like if people are more research trained, but are responsible for training practitioners, they should be training practitioners on the realities of practice and working in someone's full life and not like this snapshot of a research project. So that's one. And then the second one I'll highlight, and then I'll I'll stop talking for today (laughs) is um, just the research questions. So there's a lot of things we face in practice that, um, that we need to, to address. And we would love to have research studies demonstrating, you know, what, what's going on in those situations. But a lot of researchers, what I, at least in my experience, tend to create a research line based on their own area of interest and following their own questions and thoughts about that topic instead of going to the applied settings, exploring, hey, what are some things you all would need some research on? What would be beneficial for you to learn more about and be able to put into practice and developing the research that way? So I really wish there was more engagement from researchers and in, in wanting to understand the needs of the clients. I think I talked about this in a previous, even just live that we did, but what I noticed this a lot when I look at poster posters at um, conferences, or if I look at presentations at conferences where people are presenting their like thesis or dissertation research, and you see most of the time it's students who are extending the research of their professors or mentors or advisors or whatever. And, and they're using their clients as like a convenience sample instead of they have certain clients they're working with, or they have a certain population available to them and connecting with that population and saying, Hey, what could I do to support you? Now that'll be my research. So I wish that would be like flipped around a bit to be more supportive of the the folks who are participating in the research studies and really improving practice in that way. So those are the two big ones that I'll, I'll highlight. Joe, what about thoughts on what I said, or do you have any additional things that you see as a disconnect between research and practice? Yeah, I think the one thing I have seen a disconnect between research and practice, just being a, a newer BCBA in the field, and what I've learned through my couple years of being in the field is the idea of like, oh, we have the scientific procedure, this is research, let's apply this and use a procedure as it was stated in this research uh, journal article. I was like, but with me, like when I have, when I came into field, like I, I was a teacher for so many years and I had to always adjust on the fly or be able to pivot in the moment and teach loosely. And I'm just so used to that. That's so ingrained with me. And as I go through my my years, like I'm seeing more and more um, newer BCBAs or students who like, oh, well, let's be so rigid and let's, let's do this procedure and let's have all this stuff written out. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like I, I'm all for like, you know, being scientific, using the, using our 
procedures and technologies to apply to our clients, but we also have to be flexible in the moment and be able to really make decisions in the moment. If you have something that's so detailed, I mean, you can, and this is something I've learned as a teacher too, it's like, you have this beautiful FBA, this beautiful BIP, and put all this time into it, and you go apply it, it can either be great, or it flops and fails, like, and just crash and burn, and like, it's just, you put all this time, and it's, and it's not usable anymore, like, it, as a BCBA, like, I really wish that if you take a journal article or research, apply it, but also be able to be, know that you are you need to adjust and you're not going to be able to um, apply the exact procedure the way that you, that's in this article. So my suggestion is like when you read journal articles, like to make sure that you're able to be flexible and know that you're going to have to adjust it some way to apply it to your clients. Yes. Um, so that's a big gap I see, like this idea like, oh, I'm going to use all of these procedures and outline it. And that, that's a big gap I see. Yeah. That's, um, I'm curious, when you were studying and getting your education degree and then working as a teacher, what were the articles like that you all read? I know what it was like when I did my special education training for my doctorate, but I'm curious, did you all have certain journals that you read and, and were the articles similar to behavior analysis where it's like in a laboratory setting or was it more it was, in the classroom and showing what's it's, happening? It's more classroom based and the more, it's also a lot, it wasn't scientific, but it's more like theories too. Like, so when we were taught, we're, we're teaching, they're teaching us theories of like what could, you know, what you could do or like um, how one of our professors describes teaching is like it's an art form. It's not supposed to be like the scientific method or anything. It's supposed to be an art where you're um, able to adjust and be able to create your own way of um, teaching or um, applying these principles to make sure that, uh, to make your classroom run effect effectively and efficiently. So I, that's like what I view is like, there's like, for me, like as a teacher, I was, I was more in the line of like, you know, I'm creating art here. Like I, I'll take a little dab of this, a little dab of this. And, or like I'm making a potion or something like I take different ingredients. So I feel like I, as a BCBA, like when I came in, like I, I wanted to, I, I I understand the science, but I wanted to also make sure as a BCBA that I'm taking the whole child in consideration and I'm using what will work. And if it does, it's not, if something's not in the procedure not working, then I'm adjusting it on the fly. So that's just, that's just something I've learned. Like, that's just something that how we adjust as teachers. Is that what you saw too, Megan? 
Yeah. Well, so one of the things that I noticed about the difference is when we were learning about writing and publishing in the journals for teaching, a lot of it was practitioner focused. So they had really high standards. If you were writing like a how-to article for teachers, you had to reference, you had to have works to support what you were suggesting that were empirically supported. Um, mm-hmm. And if and I, if you didn't, you wouldn't get accepted for publication. But when you read the actual articles, like in Teaching Exceptional Children, for example, it's mostly other teachers or potentially researchers or coaches or whatever sharing, hey, we're doing this thing mm-hmm. in the classroom and it's working really well. And here's some case examples. And this is how you can do it, too. And it was it was so much more user friendly. And of course, we do have something like that with behavior analysis and practice, but I still don't see the same level of um, detail and and things that I think we could, if we went more of that route or went more of the route that like Dr. Malika Pritchett recommends in social justice as the aim of behavior analysis, I think we would as a field be much more widely accepted and just more effective because our research would be more focused on, it would be more socially valid and more focused on the actual realities of the behavior change that people are seeking to have occur in their own lives. Totally agree. Totally great. So. Yeah. It's so funny for a topic that I could talk about forever, but I have to draw the line because if I don't keep it this short, we could, we could be here for days. <laughs> so and we could be I'm not going to say anything else days. about it. But. <laughs> and then we do also have those other podcasts that you can go back and listen to for further information. So yes. again, we don't need to rehash something that's already been done. Right. Yeah. I do want to say, um, I'll say one last thing. I, I know this might be off-putting to some people, especially if you're listening to this and you're more in that research realm. I'm not, when I say like this disconnect, I'm not trying to be overly critical. I, again, researchers have a valuable place. What's interesting to me is that the way it's designed, not just in our field, but in a lot of science-driven fields is like this ivory, and I've said this before too, but there seems to be some sort of um, pedestal that researchers get placed on. And they're the ones who are, are going to dictate to the practitioners, everything. And they talk about research to practice gap and all of that kind of stuff. And I really hope at some point, especially with the enormous number of people in our field who are practitioners, not researchers, it's a much higher percentage that are practitioners that will start to see that shift where practitioners are just as valued, or if not more, and again, more informing the researchers. And we talk about that practice to research gap instead of the research to practice gap. That's the big thing <laughs> I talked about in our longer episode. And we, we go through some more examples. And the longer episode too, we talk about um, people had like different ideas of research that could be done that would be more practitioner informed. So if you're looking for research ideas, I highly recommend checking out that episode too. So definitely check out those articles and they'll be linked in their show notes and also on our uh, Facebook feed too. Yes, they will. All right. Well, we managed to keep it short somehow. I'm really impressed with us. We're doing really good job with this. (laughs) We are. We are setting those boundaries and I love it. I know. So we'll be back on November 29th and no, 28th. Sorry. I'm not saying the dates right. November 28th. We'll be back at the same time. And we'll see what the wheel decides for us. And if anyone has suggestions of topics, because we're starting to run out of them, feel free to, to drop it on the, the Facebook feed or uh, send us a message and we'll add your topic to the wheel. Sounds good. All right. Bye, All right. everybody.
ไป